This is the American Military Brit. Shedding light on the realities of military life. Now, here's your host, U.S. Air Force Staff Sergeant Christopher Clark. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the American Military Brit Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk to different military members to figure out the full story about the military, and we don't just focus on the rumors, such as the Marines being crazy or the Army being stupid. We actually figure out from the people themselves what the story is with the military. So I hope you enjoy this podcast that we have for you today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to what is likely to be the final episode of the American Military Brit. This is the podcast outtakes episode four or episode 14 in total. So for this first clip, I talked to Aaron about, I was very shocked that people could show up to naval basic training and not know how to swim. That to me was crazy because you know that you're in the Navy, you know, you know, you're going to be out to sea a lot. Of course, you have to know how to swim. Like, I was just very confused about how people could actually show up. But according to Aaron, people did show up and they didn't know how to swim. And um, he also gets into various people having disabilities and whatnot and kind of how they would deal with those situations in the Navy. So this is a an interesting clip here from Aaron kind of talking about that stuff and, and what goes on and how they deal with that. So here's Aaron talking about those various different things. Um, so just one thing I wanted to um, comment on was, it was just funny how you said like people would come to basic training and they just didn't even know how to swim. Like, mm-hmm. Surely, you know, if you go into the Navy, you got to know how to swim. You better, yeah, because, uh, yeah, yeah, you would would think, and it was was baffling. Uh, You know, we had had some guys, too, and I say guys because it wasn't, you know, women at the time. They were in in Orlando. We had a lot of guys that... um, shouldn't have been there you know they had some some major disabilities and um you know and so what they would do is is if you were um i don't want to use the word term slow but if there was some if you had challenges they would move you back or they would put you in a uh uh, a unit that was for those with disabilities Mm -hmm. my friend who's an engineer for a major power company in denver was a super intelligent guy and i got him to go with me in the buddy system and somewhere in our testing they thought his his reading scores were very low he was the type of guy that can read you know a paragraph of something and answer all the questions right Mm -hmm. um so uh three weeks in boot camp he's packing up all his stuff his sea bag and i'm like where are you going and he's like i apparently have reading problems and they put him across the street with the the disability unit and so Mm -hmm. he it was um, we'd always you know tell our jokes and, and and teasing them and stuff like that. But um, so so the Navy has those too. I mean, I, I've you know there was a, a guy in his unit that you know eight, eight weeks had turned into like twenty weeks. Mm-hmm. You know they kept trying to work with them. They didn't want to kick them out. You know, and um, so you get those too, right? You get the hard chargers and you get people who shouldn't be there. I had an interesting conversation with Lucretia talking about the stork nesting program, which is the program in which they're not allowed to give birth, basically, in certain places. I think I don't know if it's just Turkey or maybe it's other places as well, but we had a conversation just talking about how you're not allowed to give birth in Turkey, and she had to go to America to give birth and just all the things that were involved in that. And I love stories like this because it's something that, 
you know, I don't even know about the military and, you know, somebody brings it up and we just get to talking about it. So I know in the original episode, we spoke about it just a little bit, but here's just more information and Lucretia going into Intelic in general, but also the stork nesting program and us just kind of talking about Intelic as a whole. That's just that's just wild though that yeah. you, you can't give birth at Insulik. Like, is that is that a country rule or is that uh, it's a, it's like it's more it has to do with so there's no hospital on Insulik. It's a clinic. Oh, okay. so it's a clinic and it's an ambulance services that would transport you to a hospital if you needed to go to one. Um, and the the issues around um, maternity and giving birth there have to do with standard of care, like their viability. Um, Viability meaning like uh, if in a, in the U.S. if I gave birth to a, to a premature baby at let's say twenty weeks in the U.S. they would put the baby in the ICU and they would take care of the baby and they would do everything in Turkey. I don't know. I'm these aren't exact, but basically in Turkey they would say, oh, that baby's that's not a viable pregnancy. Like if the baby is born at twenty weeks, uh, sorry. It's just a loss, right? Um, also, there was like a big thing about C-sections. Like they just scheduled you for your C-section when you found out you were pregnant. They did not like natural. It was standard of care type stuff. So like we have different expectations okay. in the U.S. versus Turkey and how we give birth and maternal care and that kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. All right. so, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so after, well, I've been to, I've actually been to Insulik. I was there for... I think I was there for a week yeah like, just training some intel people but that was uh yeah that was nice. that was that was interesting I actually like Insulik though yeah I thought it, it was, was a nice great. place yeah it was really nice um we loved it there we just had like a crazy work schedule so we couldn't do things that everybody else was doing like going to Antalya and going to Istanbul I think we did make it to Cappadocia and we made it to um Yumatarlik, the mm. beach there uh, but we didn't really do much of anything, and it, that was annoying. But other than that, yeah, we loved it, and the kids loved it. My son, he got really close to our nanny. Everybody had a Turkish nanny and a Turkish gardener. Like, that was just the standard there. I don't think yeah. they can have families there anymore, but that was the standard. So we had a Turkish nanny that we still love yeah. and that our kids still talk about. <laughs> so. One thing I'll always talk to people who come on the podcast about is their assignments, right? And the various assignments that they did. And with Tamia, obviously being in the reserves, we talked about the fact that she was out here in Nevada and she did, you know, her reserve assignment out here basically. But I had to cut that section out for various other things in her podcast episode, which I'm sure you've probably heard about and, and stuff like that in episode nine. But uh, this next section is just going to be her talking about her assignment in the reserves. And we talk about how, you know, the active duty usually like discounts the reserves because, you know, they're part time and things like that. And me being active duty, I used to do that as well. But now that I'm reserves, I see the other side. So we go into that as well. But here's Tamia talking about her assignment. Okay, so let's kind of talk about, well, I say assignments, but it's going to be just like talking about your reserve assignment here in, in, in Las Vegas. So let's, uh, let's, let's get into that because we were talking offline about how 
oftentimes active duty does discount the reserves and i know this because i went from active duty to reserves i remember when i was active duty we would do we would do the same thing basically we'd be like oh reserves and guard they're just part-time and now i'm reserves i'm like uh you know yeah Yeah. (laughs) i kind of feel kind of feel it from that that angle now so uh, yeah, just just talk about like your your service here in in Las Vegas and and pretty much like how it was in the reser- in the reserves of doing, you know, was it just a weekend a month and all that stuff, or you said you did some like uh, active service as well? Yes, yes. So so you do uh, you have a man- a mandatory weekend a month, and then you also have mandatory annual training, mm-hmm. which is anywhere from uh, six weeks to two to two months during the summer. Right. Where you pick up and, you know, leave your family, you know, and and go and do your military service for that period of time. And you go, I mean, we went to Camp Rylea, which is in Oregon. We do, uh, I was telling you, we're doing trainings out at Silver Flag Alpha. You know, Mm -hmm. what they're doing is they're training these, uh, these reservists and these guardsmen. To be able to take the slack, to pick up the slack, you know. So, you know, we we did orienteering. We did, you know, everything that you uh, that that, that the full time service members did, because bear in mind, and this is what they should bear in mind, is that you didn't do all of this stuff every single day when you at work, Mm -hmm. you know, whereas for us. When we did our guard or reserves duty, that was our time to do all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So we literally were, you know, from beginning to end of the training, doing whatever the training was. You know, mm-hmm. we didn't have the downtime. We didn't have the go to the office and do whatever, you know, that a lot of active duty people do, you know, because you, you you might be working your specialty, but it's not 24-7. You know, right. I mean, you you do it at while you're at work and then you go home and you have a life while you're in the military. Well, here for the reservists and the National Guard people, they have a life here in the community, and then they put that uniform on and go away for the weekend. Their family's looking at them like, where are you going? What are you doing? You know, mm-hmm. they're not quite really understanding. So, you know, so it takes a real, a, a real strong person with a, a heart for service, you know, a heart for the community to say, I'm going to take this time from my family to go and learn what I do, become good at what I do, you know, make sure that when they do pick up the phone and call me, that I'm going to go out there and do a good job because I know what my role is as this National Guard person or this Army person, uh, a reservist person, you know. I think that's really important, and I think that we miss that when we look at someone that says they were in the Guard or the Reserve, and like, oh, you're just in the Guard or Reserve. You know what? It took just as much commitment, passion for your country and your community as it did for the active duty people, you know, and, and sometimes even more so because a lot of times the the people who are serving as reservists, their day job you know, has nothing to do with the military. Mm -hmm. You know, I was blessed. My day job was policing. You know, Mm -hmm. I was a, you know, Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department while I was in the reserves, you know, so I was actually out there doing a job very similar to what I was going to do on the weekends, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, but not everybody was doing that. You know, a lot of people were, you know, grocery clerks that, you know, turn around and come, you know, cab driver, you know, turn around and come on the weekend, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Um, What, uh, what base was this at? Where you, where you are here in here in Las Vegas, what base was it? We have an armory at the okay. armory. Yes, yeah, and there's some other places here too that you can. But at the time we were at the armory. 
Okay, so it's not like a, it's not like Fort something or not here in Vegas now. <laughs> Were you on uh, Nellis at all? Nellis Air Force no, Base? we no. we really didn't go out there because we did our trainings at our at the Armory, you know. So we did most of our stuff there. Yeah. So okay. no, Air. I mean, I've gone to Nellis before, you know, yeah. <laughs> visited Nellis before. Yeah. You know, I didn't do any maneuvers or anything out at Nellis. Okay. So was there any like besides Las Vegas? Like, was there anywhere? Because I know you mentioned you you went to England for some training and stuff like that. Was there like not else? that wasn't during the military. Okay, that was just like that wasn't uh, policing. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, was there anywhere else you went? Like, you know, you do like annual tours or annual training, things like that. That's all in Las Vegas. No, no, no. Our annual training is always away from here. You know, I okay. mentioned Camp Rylea. That was okay. that was a an annual training site. I mentioned that one because it it was cool. It was on the beach, but it's been so long. It's so funny. Like, it's been over twenty years. <laughs> You're trying <laughs> to make me remember all these places that I went. You know, uh, but yeah, every year. Uh, we went somewhere for, as I mentioned, six six weeks to two months for mm-hmm. training. One thing that was also very interesting about Lucretia was the fact that she was active guard and reserve. So one thing that I was especially curious about was the difference between guard and reserve. I mean, the difference between those two and active is pretty evident, but with the other two, it was kind of like, all right, the guard and reserve, what's the difference? And the guard is state-owned and the reserve is more like federally owned, I guess you could say, but... uh, the thing is with the reserves is they're more, I guess, um, closer to taking over active duty roles or more active duty focused versus guard that do the state mission, right? At least that's what I gathered from what she said. But really, I mean, you be the judge from this clip. I mean, we got into talking about the difference between guard and reserve, and that was something that I was very interested in knowing about because having been active duty all the years that I was, I was it was just kind of all right the guard and reserve are just basically the same thing but there's actually more to it than that so here's lucretia talking about it and then i'm curious about uh the difference between guard and reserve like what's yeah. the difference there the reserves to me so i'm new to, to the reserves so it's a forewarning right i didn't join the reserves until october 2021 right um and coming from the guard, but so far it is more like active duty than the guard. <clears throat> you think so? <clears throat> okay. Let me clear my throat. Sorry. Yeah. It's more like active duty than the guard is, because in the reserves you are focused on um, those federal wide missions. Okay. Like you are focused on big Air Force things. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Yeah. yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um. In the guard, you are the state's neighborhood local military. Right. You are focused you on what's happening in Virginia. You're focused on uh, the weather that's coming up and watching the emergency weather response. Like you're focused on here in the reserves. Your focus is is the same as active duties. As a matter of fact, it's. Um, it's so much so that we are ready to fill in for active duty. It's, so our focus has to be the same, right? In right. the Guard, you can if you want to, but your mission really, it, it's twofold missions. You, there is a federal mission and then there's a state mission, but most of it, unless it's your turn to be in the bucket, your focus is going to be that state mission. And so it's just so much smaller and so much like, meh. <laughs> right, because the Guard is like... 
own, is owned by the state, right? Exactly. And then the reserve is whatever. Yeah. So, and that okay. can be a disadvantage as well because your money and your funding comes from the state. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So the next clip is me and Sean talking about deployments in Korea and. I feel like this is a theme with me and Sean where we just talk about drinking all the time. But uh, yeah, it, we're of course talking about that again. I mean, it's to do with Korea. So of course, we're going to be talking about drinking, but we go into like deployments and stuff and kind of what deployments are like. And it's kind of the same thing with deployments, isn't it? It's just you eat, you sleep, you work out and you repeat and, and you work as well. That's another thing that you do. You just eat, sleep, work, work out, repeat. And it's just kind of the same routine and it gets a little monotonous at times, but it's just kind of how it goes. But this next clip is going to be me and Sean talking about that stuff and also getting into Korea, which again is the greatest assignment of all time. I mean, I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying, oh, it's so rough. You know, it's like, you know, there's definitely worse place to be. I've been in some of those places, but it's definitely, um, you know, it's definitely like you, it challenges your mental uh, capacity because you're just like I'm so bored yeah. I can't go anywhere like except for within these walls at the time there was still general order number one so I couldn't even be I couldn't hang out with like women or anything like that like you mm. couldn't you couldn't you okay. know be caught doing anything like that uh, you had your three drinks a day or whatever yeah. and yeah. like you know so I mean it's I mean it's not bad it's honestly in the grand scheme of things it's not bad at all but it's definitely trying for your mental definitely challenges your mental uh, capacity um, and your your ability to be resilient that way, mm-hmm. and come home to like sixty nine packages on your doorstep because you get bored sitting over there, so you just buy an Amazon, <laughs> and then you come back home and your your neighbors put all your Amazon packages in. It's like Christmas morning in there. You're cracking these things. I was like, I don't even remember buying this. <laughs> it's like you bought it like two months into the deployment. So yeah, you got so much money and just like yeah. you know because you're just obviously saving up from just being deployed but like another two things like uh the drinks thing the the drinks thing was always funny because you'd get people like when i was in jordan for example you'd get people who would buy like just three shots of vodka and just be like bang just bang them back and like try and get drunk that way but like for me i just went with beer because i thought it lasted longer basically i'm like yeah i wanted like you know i want to savor this flavor yeah (laughs) but uh the um the other thing as well i just want to say you missed out not going to korea because korea was the greatest assignment (laughs) ever (laughs) so everybody says but like i mean can you imagine like even a white man uh i was just you know i mean i was drinking if i would have went over there that would have been terrible like because like i just i don't know i don't at the time it was a little bit different place i mean maybe not the time when you were there obviously but like Mm. i you know i just didn't want to didn't want to put up with that. I don't like. I don't like that. It's like seventeen hour flight to get there. Anyways, I'm like, yes, I'm not going is. on that thing. Yes, it is. It's like one of the number one reasons why I don't want to go to and visit anywhere in Asia. It's like, dude, you know how long it takes to get there. Yeah, right. It does. <laughs> it does. But that's why, like, when I got to Asia, that's why I traveled to so many oh, yeah. places like Australia because you have to. Because when are you going to ever make yep. it back over there? But I, I will. I will say this, like. Uh, Korea, yeah, Korea was amazing. That was how I escaped Missouri. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's it. that's the thing is like I was like, you know, I've been a Nellis this ten year now going on, but I got here sixteen, so I've been here six years, going on right. seven years or whatever. And um, you know, it's like one of those things where it's like, it's like I want to get out of here, and they're like, well, you kind of got some baggage, so you're not really going to be going anywhere. And I'm like, okay, well, like, how do I get out of here? They're like, you could always push the nuclear Korea button and yeah. just like go to Korea, and then you're definitely getting out of here. And I was like. 
I'll just stay in Vegas. It's fine. <laughs> like, I, mean, you're, I mean, you're single. Yeah, so. yeah. Single in <laughs> Vegas, you know, doing the thing. So I'll, I'll pass. Okay, fair enough. This next clip is going to be Eric talking about why or why not he would return to active duty Air Force. And like I said, you know, with separation and with these decisions comes a lot of factors with some people. I mean, for me, it was easy because it was just my decision and my decision only. But Eric gets into talking about his kids and talking about the fact that he has a, a civilian job that's that pays a lot basically and it would be difficult to turn that down and come back to the military even though the air force does pay good money you know we as having that experience usually we can get out there and find government jobs that pay a lot more so there's a lot of factors that go into it and eric explains that and it's it's an interesting story just from his perspective, you know, talking about his kids. And in the podcast previously, he did talk about his job and all that different stuff. So um, here is Mr. Loving Good, ladies and gentlemen. No, that's good, man. Like, what is your – I know obviously you've got, you know – whatever uh, job that you can't really talk about but like what is your do you have any like specific goals like in uh so life? with What's the military uh for the military it's just a retire you know okay. what i mean uh, i just want to be able to retire from the military i, I don't have a, i'm not really never have been about like chasing uh like rank or anything like that mm -hmm. Like, uh, because I, I've met like, and I, and I think you understand when I say this is that I've met some E nines and I've met some chiefs. You know what I mean? I've met some guys that that are, are extremely well polished guys that were, I mean, just absolute great chiefs. And then you got some E nines who just were book smart and just made it all the way up to the top. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I just I, I figured that you know sometimes people's uh, rank is not. Um, is not equivalent to their uh, to their personality. Sometimes you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes you got great people. Sometimes you don't. And for me, I just knew that my rank, you know, whether whatever, whatever I retire at, you know what I mean. That's just going to be has to be sufficient enough for me because at this point, it's kind of about my kids now. You know what I mean. Right. Like uh, the reserves allows me to spend more time with my kids rather uh, so much than it did when I was on active duty. And so me being you know, my oldest is 13 now, you know, so he's getting older, you know what I mean? And I want to be there for a lot of the, the stuff that he that he wants to do, you know what I mean? And, and with active duty, that means we'd have to keep moving around, doing everything. And that and that's, and that's perfectly fine for some people. But for me, I had been doing it enough to be like, okay, hey, this isn't about me anymore. They're getting older. It's about them now. So, mm -hmm. yeah. The last clip is going to be Tamia talking about what was – without a doubt, the most important thing that was talked about on this podcast, and that is suicide and helping each other out and her being a chaplain and the kind of the people that she comes across and the things that she sees and ways to improve basically helping each other out. And it's interesting because I did hear a famous person just this past weekend talking about how his his friend killed himself and you know just because probably he just wasn't willing to talk about his issues he just kept them bottled in and that's what a lot of us men do is we don't want to talk about our feelings and and whatnot because we're looked at as weak and that is kind of a stereotype a lot with talking about issues and that's why people come to these thoughts of committing suicide is because they keep their feelings bottled up so I wanted to finish on this topic just because it's very important. It's just 
without question, one of the most important things out there right now. So here's Tamiya talking a little bit more about that stuff. Man, I love you. Man, think about the things we've done together, man. Think about, you know, your future. You said you wanted to do this and this and this. You know, talk to the person. And if this person comes to your mind, I'll tell you guys this. Okay, this is coming from a chaplain. So, you know, if this person keeps coming to your mind, you haven't talked to him in a while, pick up that phone. Pick up that phone. Because I don't know where you're at spiritually. You know, I'll give you this. I'll say this word. That's the universe telling you to call that person because they need you. And that's tapping into you saying you're going to be the one that makes a difference by making that phone call or going by the house you walk by somebody's house, you go inside their house, there's absolutely nothing, and you know it used to be furnished, that's a clue. Mm-hmm. So we need to learn to take better care of each other because the solution is not let's grab a beer and go to the bar. Yep. The solution is, hey, let's go for a walk, man. Let's go for whatever. And, and, I, and I say the walk thing because nature and activity is a positive for your brain. You know, so so get out, you know, dude, let's go for a ride. Let's go to the mountains. You know, let's go wherever, you know, wherever, you know, this person likes. And even if you don't know, they like it. They're like, dude, you know, I'm going to ride up to the mountains. You want to come with me? You know, now you got this person in the car. And here's the thing about road trips, too. <laughs> I'll tell you guys about road trips. If you've ever taken a road trip, how much conversation you have going on in the car? It gets deep. It gets deep, you know, so take a road trip, you know, ride, ride to wherever, you know, if you're here in Vegas, you know, take, take a Red Rock ride, take a, you know, but I say go to scenery so you guys can talk about nature and, and, and things that you may have done in the military together. If you're, you know, if you're service members together or if it's just a friend, maybe they're not a vet, you know, but you're seeing this in them, you know, this is, this is my teaching moment for everybody, you know. We don't want to lose another. When they say we lose 22 service members, whether in service, veteran, you know, any kind of service related, military service related a day, Mm -hmm. that breaks my heart. That just truly breaks my heart. And here's the thing. We can't only say, oh, well, you know, I tried to send them to the vet center. I tried to this. I tried to that. What do we just say? Nobody wants to go through that. Nobody wants the stigma. Nobody wants to. And that's it. You know what? I'm going to come to you. I'm going to sit down with you. We're going to have a conversation because sometimes people pray. When I say pray, they'll say, if just somebody reached out to me, if somebody contacts me today, if somebody, they put it out there, you know, and then now you got that inkling saying, hey, call Bill, pick up the phone and call Bill. And then you don't. And now you get a call. About Bill, none of us want to, none of us want that call. So I say, check in, check your buddy. You know, we talk about having everybody six, right? Everybody's, oh, I got you six. I got you, buddy. (laughs) Well, let's really have them mental health wise. And let's be real in our conversations with one another. You know, man, you look, you know, you look bad. You know, I don't know what's going on with you. Let's talk. Because you don't know how much that let's talk. Really, you sitting there listening to them, not just you going, oh, let's talk. Okay. Oh, wait, my phone's ringing. Hold on. Let me get this. Hold on a minute. Okay. Y'all shut up over there. I'm trying to talk to my friend. No, we talk. Let's talk. Come on. Let's go out to the car. You know, let's go down to the park. Let's go and then talk 
about it and let that person talk about it because they're going to go all over the place. Mm -hmm. But let them pour it out. Because once you let them pour it out, now it's not in that head. Okay, now it's not in that head, Mm -hmm. you know, and you just I say, I don't know if you're if you, you know, we know we have people multiple faiths and stuff here. But I always say just take a moment and say, you know, help me find the right words, meaning your response. But in the meantime, just listen, just listen, just listen, just listen and really listen. Don't be thinking about what you're going to say back to them. You know, don't be thinking about, oh, this is what I'm going to tell him. You know, as soon as he finishes, you know, just say, just let him talk. And even if you lose some of it, just let them talk. Cause, because everybody needs that vent. Everybody needs that, that just offloading, you know. And when they don't get it, that's when they blow up. That's when they explode. That's when they, if they're not going to go out and do like these crazy shooters, you know, and take other people out, that's when they decide to take themselves out. So we need to be there for one another. Okay, fans, as I mentioned before, this is likely to be the last episode of the American Military Brit. And if it is, I just want to say thank you to all the fans, all the people that supported this podcast. And honestly, it's been a pleasure to do this podcast. It's the first ever podcast I've gotten to do and, you know, to get this valuable experience that's needed to possibly do a podcast in the future. It's been a very valuable experience and I hope you've enjoyed the stories. We've had some fantastic guests on here and I hope you've enjoyed the stories that they've provided to us and hopefully you got some good information out of it. If you've if you've made it through this far, I'm assuming you did enjoy it. So um, I want to say thank you to the fans, yes, but also the guests as well. So a special thank you to Grant, Moses, Josh, Ross, Sean, Aaron, Eric, Tamia and Lucretia for just being fantastic guests. Really, they were just, they were amazing. So thank you to them. And also thank you to the fans in particular. My number one fan, Daniel Kenner, a.k.a. D-Nasty. What a legend. And just thank you to all of the fans for your support, your feedback. And I appreciate you all. And if this is goodbye, then thank you to you all. But, you know, maybe we'll see each other or maybe we'll talk to each other again in the future. So thank you very much and goodbye.